This week's parsha of Kitetze uh, contains uh, 74 mitzvot, the largest number of mitzvot of any parsha in the Torah. We all know that the mitzvot are divided into two categories. One is a mitzvah asay. And the other is a mitzvah lotaseh. The mitzvah taseh is, a, so to speak, a positive commandment. Do something. Give charity. Put on film. <clears throat> Take the lul of an estric. Hear the shofar. The mitzvah's lotase is to refrain from doing something. Now, uh, there are 248 mitzvot ase and 365 mitzvot lotase. There's a difference of opinion in rabbinic literature uh, as to which of the statements in the Torah should be considered a mitzvah. There's 613 commandments that they all agree to. 248 plus 365. But exactly what the 613 are, there are differences of opinion. Nevertheless, it's clear that there are more mitzvahs lotas uh, than mitzvahs that are mitzvahs say. There are more commandments as to what not to do than what to do. And this, uh, the Meforshim explain, is an attitude of the Torah. The Torah's attitude is drive defensively. Don't get into problems. Many times, this is a matter that's true in society generally, in our rush to do good, we do harm. The uh, Hippocratic oath that the medical doctors take, the first thing is not to do harm. Because the nature of people is that it's very easy to do harm. Almost subconsciously, we can do harm without even realizing it. And therefore, the Torah establishes for us uh, defensive measures. If you follow the 365 Lotase, 
to a great extent, uh, you will uh, be saved from doing things that are wrong. And then we can proceed to do things that are right. So, for instance, uh, I mentioned last night I was at a Sheva Bruchas. So the Torah says in this week's parsha, when you were going to build a new home, make a fence on the roof. The roof is a flat roof. And people will go up there and use it. If there is no fence, God forbid someone can fall off the roof. So that when you come to build a new home, the first mitzvah that's involved is to build a market, to build this fence. So uh, the Nitziv uh, the uh, mentions in his parish, the Hamik Dover, that why didn't the Torah say, if you're going to build a new home, put up a mezuzah to your door. Now we all know that mezuzah is a very popular mitzvah. Surveys have shown that the vast majority, 80-85% of all the people living in Israel put up a mezuzah on their door. Because the mezuzah is the uh, symbol of safeguard, etc., whatever you want it, but people like mezuzah. So why didn't the Torah tell us to put up a mezuzah? Why did the Torah tell us a strange halacha to build the fence? So the Nitziv in his parish gives a technical answer. That in the exile, if you... Exile. So for the first 30 days, there's no obligation to put on a mezuzah. Because that's a symbol that anything we build in the exile does not have permanence. It's not eternal. If you build a home in, in Eretz Israel, so then that's permanent. And therefore, you're obligated to put a mezuzah on immediately. But a makeh, a fence that everybody has to put on immediately. That's the uh, explanation of the Nitziv. But in a general sense, we can say that the Torah here is teaching us this lesson. 
you want to build a home that will be lasting, that won't have casualties, so to speak. Nobody will fall off the roof. So the first thing to do is build a fence. You'll say, well, who's going to fall off my roof? The Torah says you have to be aware that in life everything happens. And that it's the unexpected that is expected. That's what occurs. And therefore one has to always factor that in into one's behavior. And that uh, the mitzvahs losase are here to mitigate our arrogance. That we think we know what's going to happen, that nothing is going to happen to me. I'm not uh, vulnerable. The Torah doesn't make exceptions. So, uh, in this week's Parsha, we have a Parsha called Ben Sorer a rebellious child. Not only a rebellious child, but a child that is a uh, complete danger to society, to his family, to society. And this raises a great moral question. Because this is the only case in the Torah that a person is going to be punished not for what one did, but for what one is going to do. Nerag al pisofo. So the great moral question is uh, the doctor that delivered Hitler or Chairman Mao or Stalin He would have choked the child at birth, would have saved maybe tens of millions of people. But he would have been a murderer. So that's an enormous moral question. Because of that, there's an opinion in the Talmud that this case of Ben Amore is not an actual case. There never was such a case. In effect, uh, because uh, we don't know how things are going to turn out. So it's very hard to say that you're going to execute somebody because of what he's going to do. How do you know what he's going to do? We only know that in hindsight. So therefore, that's a case of La Hoya Velonivra. Never was such a case. It's a theoretical case. Why did the Torah write it? Throw Kabel Schar. That we should learn the case and learn a moral lesson from it. What's the moral lesson?
There are two other cases that the Talmud tells us that also fall into this category of Lohoya Valonivra. One is Nige Botim. We know that there are just as there were plagues that uh, infested people. So we have the dinim of Tsaras, etc. Uh, so too, uh, there are plagues that infest a house, a dwelling. And uh, the Mishnah and Gomorrah establish for us certain criteria regarding such a case. And the criteria are so exact that there's an opinion in the Talmud that it could never happen. The uh, infestation has to happen only in the corner. It has to be equidistant on both walls. It's something that can't happen. So again, it's La Hoya Valonivra. But the Torah tells us such a case even though it's not actual. There's a third case that's mentioned in the Talmud that also falls under this rubric of Lohoya Vlonivra, a case that uh, never can occur. And that's the case of Iranadachas. We read it uh, recently in the Torah that in a city in Israel, the entire city uh, is uh, seduced to uh, worship pagan gods. So then the city is destroyed and all of the uh, property of the city has to be destroyed. So the Talmud says that can never happen because it says there is no city that has Jews in it that does not have a mezuzah, and the mezuzah contains the name of God, so to speak, and you can't destroy that. So therefore, this also is a theoretical case. It's not a case that uh, can actually exist. So we have here three cases three sets of circumstances where the Torah has given us a mitzvah, has told us what to do, but that there's no actuality in it. That's one opinion in the Talmud. There's a second opinion that uh, all of these cases are actual. The uh, man and the the, uh, one who made the statement that the Talmud says, what are you talking about? I saw the grave of the Ben Sorer Mora. I saw the tell of the city that was destroyed. I saw the ruins of the house that was uh, infested. All of these things are real. So the question arises when you have uh, this type of uh, disagreement in the Talmud, uh, 
What are they arguing about? One says that it never happened, and the other says, what do you mean it never happened? I saw it. So there's a famous idea that uh, that we are taught that the Talmud never disagrees in the actuality of the matter. The disagreement or the difference of opinion is in what is the moral lesson. They don't dispute the actuality of matters. And uh, there are many opinions uh, uh, that this fits into. So what happens here? You have here one of the rabbis said it never happened. The other one says not only it happened, I, uh, I'm witness to it. So there's a famous idea of the Chatam Sofer uh, regarding this matter and the uh, it's a matter of drush in other words it's not the simple explanation but it is the moral lesson that we are looking for and he states that if a person says that then sorer or morer can never happen. Meaning he says, my family is immune. I cannot be affected by it. And my family never will uh, resort to uh, these types of behavior. So then, that's when it happens. That's when the actuality switches in. Because then it's clear that there are no defensive measures. People that raise children on the basis that nothing can go wrong are doomed. Everything can go wrong. And therefore, uh, one has to be... uh, very fortunate but one has to be uh, very serious in uh, the education and raising of the next generation because you cannot say well it's not going to happen to me my child is not going to be a thief my child is not going to be a murderer to drive defensively and the same thing is true regarding a city a society that says you know well, we're in a perfect society we're never going to have troubles so it doesn't take defensive measures it doesn't take defensive measures and you have uh, chaos it's part of the uh, problem that especially is ravaging the United States today. So many cities that are uh, 
unsafe to live in, to walk in, to exist in. Because the prevailing view of the government is that if you're nice, uh, nothing's going to happen. So you don't need police, and you don't need prosecution, and you don't need jails, and you don't need punishments. What's going to happen? Everybody's going to be good. And that is a uh, sure recipe for chaos. It's a sure recipe for crime. And the same thing is true in one's home. It says, my house is, uh, nothing can happen. Well, you know, your house can be plagued too. So the Torah wants us to drive defensively. It wants us to realize that everything can happen. And to try and take measures against it. And the end of this week's Parsha is the famous Parsha of Amalek. That the Jewish people are commanded to remember Amalek. Not only uh, the Torah emphasizes it, not only in a positive way, Zohar, to remember, but even in a negative way, Lo Sishkoch, don't forget. Because sometimes telling somebody to remember is not enough. But if you tell them don't forget, so then it has a uh, greater gravitas. It, so to speak, makes a bigger impression. Now, who in the world remembers Amalek except us? If the Torah wanted that Amalek should be forgotten... Then it would tell you, ignore it, you know, forget it. Let's rip those pages out of history. Let's, uh, you know, advance, go beyond it. Don't forget. Yet the Torah commands us always to remember. I have to remember what Amalek did 3,000 years ago. Because the Torah wants us to remember what kind of world we live in. How dangerous our world is. It's a world where Amalek, uh, in all of its forms, uh, is always present. So don't forget that. And therefore take whatever proper steps you can to try and protect yourself. Try and make sure that Amalek doesn't reach you. And that's an enormous lesson. We would like to say that uh, we're past that, but uh, the world keeps on sh- keeps on showing us that we're not. Yitzchak Avinu and Rivka, our mother, come to live in the land of the Plishtim by Avimelech. Savi Melech is a wonderful host. Wherever you want to live, live. You want to make money, make money. Whatever you do, fine, good. But 
in the land of Avimelech, they stop up the wells that Avram Avinu made. And in the land of Avimelech, Rivka herself is taken as a hostage. And when Yitzchak confronts Avimelech about all of these items, we're going to read part of it in the laning of Rosh Hashanah. So Yitzchak says only one thing. You got everything here, but there's no fear of God. There's no fear of God. All the laws in the world won't help you. No one knows whether you steal or not. But God knows. So if you want to be sure that you're not going to steal, you have to deal with God. The IRS won't catch you. And it's true of every law in the Torah. And that's why there's so many lavin. Because they are all, you're not doing anything. No one can catch you. But uh, you're dealing with godly matters. You're dealing with eternal matters. So I want you to be careful to drive carefully. You know, one of the... uh, Great uh, moral lessons here in our time is speed cameras or police vehicles on the road. It's been proven over and over again that wherever there are speed cameras or there are police vehicles on the road, the rate of accidents uh, declines and uh, speed violations decline. How can I speed? Right next to me is the uh, police car. And nobody wants to be uh, pulled over. So therefore, obviously, That's what the problem is. So we have to always envision ourselves, you know, that Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Somid. God is interested in me. We we feel that He's not interested, right? He got uh, seven billion people to look after. So what does He care about me? I can do whatever I want. But that's not the case. That's the basis for the fact that there are so many lavin in the Torah. Don't eat this. Why don't I eat this? Because God told them I have a relationship with God. I don't eat it. I don't say things. I don't do things. I don't look at things. That's all part of the Yoresa Melakecha. That you're afraid. But Vioresa is more than being afraid. Vioresa is like the word of the sea. You should see that God is looking at you. And if that is the case, then you'll behave differently. 
So viureso means look and see things. So that's why we have the 365 laven in the Torah. It's to remind us always whom we're dealing with and what we're supposed to do. And therefore the uh, plethora of mitzvahs which exist in this week's parsha, most of them are loving, most of them are negative because they are to make us aware of the relationship that we are bound to have with the Rabboni Shalom and therefore we will always drive defensively throughout our lives and avoid situations that are uh, always fraught with danger we're always falling we're always in danger of falling off the roof always in danger of doing something wrong if we're careful uh, so then uh, we can have not only this life but eternal life as well I have one uh, story to conclude uh, I have a very fine woman that comes in once a week to uh, clean the house so when she comes in I unlock the door I open the, the front door and leave it open so she once asked me why did I do that so I told her because, you know, there's a din of yichud. There's a law that uh, you're not allowed to be uh, in a private room with a woman that's not your wife. So you have to have the door open or some means of access. So she said to me, but you're so old. <laughs> So I didn't want to prove her wrong, <laughs> but I uh, explained to her that this is a rule for the Chofetz Chaim, not for me. It's a rule for everybody. Torah made no exceptions. There's no Shulchan Aruch for rabbis. It's all part of the same picture. If one has to always drive defensively. always be aware of what the problems could be and by so doing so then the moral lesson is achieved and we understand what the Torah wants from us so I want you all to have a great and good Shabbos Uh, next week the same time 10 o'clock call to Selah Alvin how are you great to see you Next week I have one way. I'm sure it'll be the.